Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Gavin Morn the GM of the Linden Group. Um, Gavin, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, I'm actually not the GM of the Linden Group, just the GM of Junction 14. Perfect. No worries. Um, typical fashion of the show, Gavin, is we start with early influences and talk about that for a couple of minutes so people can get to know who you are. If yeah. I've done my research correct, you grew up in Leitrim. That's correct. Yes. What was life like growing up in Leitrim? Any favourite hobbies, standout memories? Um, look, I grew up in a farm, so the time for hobbies wasn't really there because you're always farming, you're always doing stuff like that. So um, I suppose I grew up with a very strong work ethic. My parents, were, my dad was a builder, but he's also a farmer. He couldn't do either. Full t- he couldn't do farming full time. They so had to build it. So as kids, we had to substitute the fact that he wasn't there. We were doing jobs and stuff like that. So we always had chores and always had jobs. So I suppose someone asked me one time, call it, what has driven you on to be where you are? And I can tell you right now, it's it's um, when you're mucking out cows half six in the morning it, it drives you to go to school do a good day's work at school to get away from that farm as fast as possible so my dad always said to us do hard do all your books get away from here so don't don't go to the road and don't look back so unfortunately i'm the only sibling that did it the rest of them are still there but i left <laughs> so that's what drove me on yeah talking about the time on the farm people can usually when they look at their early life so kind of as far back as they remember up until early teens, they can point to a number of people that had a massive impact on them that helped them become the person they are today, whether it's an acquaintance, a teacher, a parent, a relative. Does anybody spring to mind for you? Yeah, look, I suppose I said it already. My dad has a very strong work ethic. Like I have a very good relationship with my dad and um, thankfully he's still with me and me and him talk to each other twice a week on the phone. Um, he had a very strong work ethic, but he had a very, he did very, I suppose he was very fair, very strong, but very fair. Um, but he was very regimental about things had to be done a certain way. And definitely that has rubbed off me. And I suppose I find myself, the drive I have comes from him because he, 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 should, he was always led by example. And he was the one who was up at half five in the morning and not going to bed at like 10 o'clock at night and constantly going. And he was very kind of, he was a pioneer and he never drank, never smoked, still doesn't drink or smoke. He, he, he said we often, he often drove it to him. But um, he, I suppose he was my leading example regards what work ethic should be. And then when I got my first retail job then, Man, who I, I start, I always say the man who started me out my career, which was Sean Tarpey. He's still in the super value business. And um, Sean was a tough, he was a, task, a tough taskmaster, and um, starting off underneath. But he was very honest about what his approach. He always said, in order to be good at, at management, you had to run it and own it like it was yours. He said, if you're if you're here, so you call it, and you're spending money like it's no it's someone else's money, or you're running this place like it's someone else's business, he says you're never going to be any good at the job. He says you need to be running this that's like it's your own, treated like it's your own, and own it. He said, and I, and I've always done that. And I was with Sean for five years. I started with a training manager with him. 
progressed to assistant manager and um, acting manager he wasn't around so um he gave me a good start in my retail career and uh, then i suppose the musgraves family as i call it the fact when you work within super value centra you're part of a bigger family so i was part of that for 14 years and i moved all around the country and that's what took me to the east coast from west coast to east coast with work through super value and um i suppose the big box big box retail format give me a good start and give me a good grounding for retail itself like but it was i suppose I got the real love for retail. I've always loved retail. I started at 16 and I remember starting and myself and about four or five of my school friends would call. We all got a job in our local centre. We all started part-time and you you got two shifts a week and I started off sweeping the car park and into the bins. And that's what I did, two evenings a week. And I progressed then called it to um, being promoted up to packing stock. Like, I mean, so that's kind of the way it started. Like, well, it, was this, it was a centre in a small country town in the west of Ireland. We knew no different. We were living a very innocent life. But you have to remember, this is all before social media. This is before any of this. Like, this is back in the, the 90s. Like, I mean, we didn't have any of that. We were only kind of discovering the world, like, you know. So I just fell in love with retail when I started. And I literally call it went from being a part-timer to a full-timer very, very quickly. And I got offered the training manager position with him. And I suppose the one difficult decision I had to do he wanted me to start straight away because a local competitor in town had closed up and then he gained all that business overnight and he was calling had gone really really busy he said look he says i know he said we'd agreed we'd do this after your leaving service but i need you now he says if you don't do it now he says i'm gonna have to get somebody else mm-hmm. and i remember i agonized over and i went home to my parents and i discussed it with them all the rest of it and they were big on me getting my leaving cert and all the rest of it they said no you can't you have to do leaving cert and i said well i'll tell you what if you let me do this I guarantee you, I'll go back and do my leaving search. So I kept, I kept my word. At 28, I set my leaving search. Do you know what I mean? Back. Yeah, I had, I had a diploma in management from DIT before I had my leaving search. But I went back with college then and did my leaving search at 28. So I sat over two summers, 28, 29, and did that, that those two years because I kept my word. I have a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Like So I, thankfully, my mother was still in her full faculties and still alive for it. No, I did my leaving search. Like, so I kept my word to her that I did it. Like, you know, So I, I didn't break my bond. I didn't break my word. My word is my bond. Like, I mean, so I didn't break my word. I said yes. I do it. Like, you know. But again, it's quite funny when you back to, you back to I, I was studying my leaving search. I, I finished in the April and we were supposed to sit the exams in June. That's how close I got. In the original time, you know, back they would call it business and economics, and because I've worked in business so many years now, I just the subjects were so simple because I, I understood the whole concept because I've actually worked it for so many years now, and all of a sudden then you look at the theory, you're thinking, oh god, yeah, but like when you've done it for a student at 17, 18, wouldn't have a, a buzz notion of business or, or economics. But when you've worked in business for so long, it all makes perfect sense. Like, because you've done the whole, you've worked the ratios, you've worked the, the, all the different um, formulas that teach you, like, you know what I mean? So yeah, it was, it was a very interesting, it was a very good thing to do, but it was quite strange being in the classroom, you're leaving sort of 20, I was at 28 at the time, like, I mean, so very strange. I was, you could see some of the students looking and saying, what the hell's going on here with your man? Like, well, I went in as an external student and did night class and all the rest of it to get it like, I mean, well, so yeah I'd not imagine sitting my leaving cert at 28 years old um, you know what it was very liberating and I also say that I've always had a love for education as well as I suppose development I did a course there years ago in IMI I was a, it was a diploma in management and on there was 28 of us on the, in the class and this is before COVID but the 28 of us in the class and only two of us from retail myself and one of the girl Elisa Buckley from um, over in Mullingar and everyone else was from public sector, they were from private sector, they were from pharmaceutical, they were from government body. And I 
we, we was the most diverse class you'll ever want to be in. Mm. But I literally, I, I said it to the directors here, I came back, I literally could feel my brain be pulled apart, my thought process was certainly being pulled apart and, and reformulate new ideas. And I absolutely thrived and loved every minute of it. Like, I mean, so it is my plan to go back to IMI and do a bit more education. Like, I, I might do something in leadership or a bit on economics or right, because I just find IMI are very, very structured and very, they're focused at business and, and, and developing so the courses are very tailored, they're a good course, and the people delivering them are very interesting people. Like, and it, because it's an open format, as in, like they do, it's kind of continuous development with them when you're there. So it's a very intense eight or nine months when you're in there. But when you're in there, you're in there. It's like a bubble, like, and you kind of just you meet all these different people. And I've connected from people from all around Ireland on that course. I'm still in contact with them because even though we were we're all in different walks of life, we all had that one common thread or bond that we all did I my course together. I mean, so it was good. Super value. You yes. spent some time in Super Value. Twelve years. Uh, yes. Worked your way up to eventually being manager. Yes. So two questions I have for you here, or three. Hmm. How did you start there? Any lessons learned from your 12 years there, uh, perhaps improving communication skills or planning or leading? And then what was the toughest part of being a manager? Yeah, three very good questions. Um, I suppose the one thing that working in Super taught me was standards. They're big on standards, and like we would have your audits from your ROAs and all the rest of it. And from the time I started, like Sean Tarpey was big on standards. Like we were, like it was a centre in Ballinamore, then he bought the property next door, converted it to Super Value. So that was my first taste of Super Value. So we'd be a centre and then went to Super Value, and I did that revamp with him. And I remember at the time I absolutely I loved. And I remember he put me to one side one time, and he actually said to me, he says, he's like, I cannot get over you." He says, "You're just." growing in front of me he says you're just morphing into this different person he says since we started this revamp he says some people call it hate revamps or hate changes you are reveling in it like, and i said yeah because look what we're doing like i mean i i, I bought into the whole project like to see from start to finish what it was going to be because he'd done the plans with it. he showed us all what was happening so we all knew as we went from this kind of small little center store to this bigger super value store while still in the same town i haven't left anymore so that was part of my five-year tenure with him and he was big on standards and like I said Sean would come in to call him I'd wake off from that morning come back in that afternoon and he would walk that shop and I can tell you right now there's one thing out of place you knew about like I mean so you were constantly learning that was for me for my first years as, as a manager I remember it was to constantly to learn to be thinking on your feet all the time to be three steps ahead of yourself all the time it was quite exhausting because you're only 17 18 19 like so you're still finding yourself as a person and all of a sudden you have to be kind of like this but um I suppose I've always assumed uh, assumed the position. I'm the eldest, so at home I was the eldest, so I was all kind of in charge. Of it. So I've always assumed that role, and it definitely paid off when it came to working in management, working in retail. You assume that position, like so. Even though I was only like I was, I was they, my all my peers were underneath me. I was their manager. Even we all got to school together, and all of a sudden I'm telling them what to do. Like I mean, so it was to learn that skill, and I suppose delegation was a big thing but also the big thing for me was learning to talk to people and get them to come on board with you and come on side with you and, and work with you and yeah there was one or two people call who didn't they took onwards the fact that I was their schoolmate at one stage and I was telling them what to do work do you know what I mean it didn't kind of work run well with them and for obvious reasons like them they you have to I suppose as I'm getting old in the years now I realise I call it it's important to look at everyone's viewpoint and take on board I always say to some of the managers here 
year when they're in conflict with some of their teams, I say, well, put yourself in their shoes for five minutes. Look at the story from their point of view and tell me, are you disagreeing with their point of view or can you see it from a different light? I said, never assume that you're always right. Just stop for two minutes and assume, look at the other person's viewpoint because it can't be dictatorial. It has to be it has to be a natural kind of involvement of the, the rules and regulations all the rest mm. of it. I suppose um, I, 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 the last couple of years, especially like HR is such a minefield of stuff. And I always say with HR, it doesn't matter how good your HR systems are. It comes down to one simple thing. Have an honest conversation with a person and just talk to them and then listen to what they're saying to you. Don't talk to them talk to talk with them and listen to what's been said back to you and there's nothing you can't work out there's never anything you can't be worked out i mean so i found over the last kind of especially here i'm here now 11 years in may like in the last 11 years i've, I've really because i've been the number one for 11 years here so i've been the one leading the rail i mean so i suppose i found in the first couple of years because it was so manic because we were growing 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 and you kind of a bit like yourself all the podcast last year I didn't have time to think because it was constant all the time, high adrenaline, high octane, go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden, then you, when you get the time, then in the, as I call it, in down season in Junction 14, you kind of come into October, it starts to calm down and you actually start to breathe again. Like, I mean, then you're kind of thinking, okay, where are we going, what are we doing? I, I, I'm a firm believer you have to evaluate what you've done, see what you could have done better and make sure the next time around you do better. And then also, I'm a firm believer as well, it's only a problem, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. So if something goes wrong, okay, it went wrong, well, what can we do to stop this happening again? And I always say, we call it, if I come under a, a time of pressure or a time of kind of really intense going on, I say, okay, well, what caused this? What can I do to stop this happening again? Because I like working under pressure. I hate having to make decisions under intense pressure and sometimes think that was the wrong decision. And I hate making the wrong decision, if that makes mm. sense. But it's only the wrong decision if you don't learn from it. So Junction 14, more than your standard service station. Um, I'm keen to unpack your role here because businesses have got to attract customers. Um, your customers are traveling up and down the country. You've got brands inside like Chopped, Insomnia, uh, Supermax. Exactly. A lot of them to me would go underneath the bracket of a franchise. Yes. So I assume they take care of their own marketing. No, no, no. no you take Sorry. care of it. So we, the model we operate is, and this is where I, I, I spent a lot of research and time working on the, the new look, Junction 14, and we were trying to find brands. And it's funny, when you go look into the marketplace, you see all these different brands. You go, wow, we're spoiled for choice here. We're trying to, but then you start really lucky. There's very few franchise models. Like they, 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 a lot of the brands, they don't do franchising. They just yeah. don't do it. So to get, we were, we, I, I was really surprised at how quickly my choice was limited and was was really narrowed down. So yes, it's a franchise model, and we we operate all the franchise, and that's how Junction Fourteen has always been the success. It is because everyone here together is on one team. We all work for Lighting Group. And we all work together and um, especially during COVID and different things, we've done an awful lot of cross training and all the rest. So people can move across different departments and help each other out because at the end of the day, it's not a customer's fault that we've got a wave of Omicron. We've got 40 staff out. 
the customer doesn't need to know that. The customer needs to know that they come in here, they're going to get their coffee, they're going to get their burrito, they're going to get their, their yeah. snack box or whatever it is. So it's our job, my job, and my team's job to make sure that we keep the level of service up and we keep the standards up and that the, that the customer experience is never hampered, in, in I suppose. Um, we have, uh, it was our, we make all our decisions, we base it all around the customer. So what, what does the customer see? What is the customer experience? And one of my colleagues from one of our other, he's he managed one of the sites and he was in here one day and he just said, he's just got the place, it's fantastic. Like, and I looked at him and said, what do you mean? And he says, we call, look at this, look at that. And I says, he says, no, I got this wrong, I got that wrong. I know all, but he says, but your customer doesn't know any of those. He says, you know all those problems. You know all those things that going on in the background. He says, but your customer walking through here, I'm walking through here as a customer, he says, and I don't see any of those things that you're, you're talking about right now. Mm. It's a good, it says, and that means we're doing our job properly because the customer should never, the customer experience should never be hampered by us being short-staffed or whatever. And then as I always say to the teams, if we are experiencing long delay times or acute times, apologize the minute you said i think i'm really sorry for keeping you waiting how can i help like so that the customers acknowledge that they were standing longer than they should have been in a queue like you know mm-hmm. it, it's fantastic i've stopped there numerous times and i've always had a great experience in fact i like stopping there i make it uh instead of stopping at a another station I'll, I'll drive the extra 30 kilometers so i can stop at junction 14 what's Thank the you. favorite part of your job um the favorite part of my job i suppose um i love working with people and i love working with the brands that we have here and every brand that we take on i make sure that we excel their standards to the best like so they, i always understand i learned the brand i remember when i started here in 2011 i never worked with, i'd never worked with fast food so i was like okay supermax for me was completely different and i i said okay i need to learn this i need to understand this so the area manager's time with supermax they spend a good bit of time and for supermax when they open you up as a franchise they spend a lot of time with you supporting you and getting you going so when he was here i said to him this is paul you need to, you need to help me here as i need to learn this as i need to know what does a good burger look like i need to know what standards are i said i need to know what what am i looking for i said if there's a problem on a day i need to know what i'm looking for and he said, fine. And, and, and he actually said to me after, he says, the fact that you came to me, says, I wasn't chasing you, you came to me, he says, and you said you want to do this. He says, I knew straight away I was off a winner because he said, I, I knew you were going to listen and learn and take it off, which I did. And I suppose every day then I would, every morning I come to work, I'd be in back of house because I'm a firm believer and I learned this to suit value to everywhere I've worked. If back of house is right, front of house will be right. So if your storerooms are all neat and tidy, your coal rooms are all neat and tidy, stock rotation is happening, everything's clean and tidy. If that is all happening back of house, then front of house will always be right. Where if you've got a shoddy, messy back of house, then front of house is going to be the same. And undoubtedly, because it sets the standard, it sets the thing for the very minute. So my standards are in my back gate. I work the whole way through. So my yards are neat and tidy, power washed. Everything's in its place. Everything has its place. Everyone knows what their job is. Everyone knows what they have to do. And I've got a few key pivotal people like Goods Inwards and Duty Manager. They are the ones who interact with everybody. So they need to make sure they're on their A game all the time. Communication is key. So we use walkie-talkies across the site here because it's such a big site. There's so many people talking to each other. So every department has a walkie-talkie. Everyone talks to each other. So if an incident happens or something is wrong or they need assistance straight away does they, they walkie talkie at my desk so if they need to get me straight away rather than ringing the phone they ring the walkie that they pose the walkie talkie and I, I i we go we just go like we so if you're ever here and you see a lot of people appear at one time it wasn't your phone calls it's your walkie talkies and that's how it happens and the duty manager all the earpieces like, because again on a busy busy day like an all Ireland sunday or a concert day there's so much going on at any one time. There's so many wheels and and, and, and plates spinning. Everybody needs to be moving and thinking at the same time. Like, and so I have learned through Junction 14 how it works is, is, is planning. 
like we're already we're already working hard at Q3. That's how we're where we're at now at the moment. We're looking at manpower, we're looking at turnover, we're looking at trading hours, we're looking at stock levels, we're looking at, at kind of increasing deliveries. That's all been worked on right now for Q3. I mean, we're only in February, like, but that's how far ahead we are. Because if we don't, we won't succeed. We won't make good money. We won't turn good business this summer. And because of what's happened in the last couple of years, we need to make sure we're on our A game. Because I'm expecting a very busy year this year because you see the concerts in Dublin, they're selling out. Like Literally, they go on sale. They're selling out straight away. Yeah. Bloom is back. Plowing is back. It's all come back this year. So it's, it's going to be a busy, busy year. And in order for me to do my job as GM, I need to make sure that everybody here on site is working and gearing towards that. So we have weekly meetings. We, we meet all the managers every single week. We go to their apartments. We do a full PL every single week and we see how they're going and then their HR issues, any other issues, system, systems, equipment, everything. We do, do it all on a weekly basis. But apart from that, then I spend every day, I visit every department. I talk to each, each team member in there. I know all my team by name. And that's when I, I greet everyone by name every single morning as I pass by them. Like, so there's nobody working here that I don't know. And that means that for the because because I started at the bottom and worked up, I don't forget what it's like to be in the bottom. So I want them yeah. to know, as the GM, I know who they are, I know what they're doing. And I like to, have, some people call it, you naturally gravitate towards because they're, they're a warmer person or they're a different quirky personality or whatever, like annoying. And so you find yourself gravitate towards them, but I also make sure that I give everyone the same equal attention like on a daily basis because it's nice. Some days look at it, some days it's manic and you don't get to, you just get to nod the head and say, oh, yeah, how's the thing going when you move on? Like, I mean, the other days, like, like yesterday afternoon here, it was quiet for an hour. I was, I was around all the departments talking to the ball and I, I, I stand sometimes, I pick a spot in the shop floor and I just stand. I don't move, I just stand and I see what my customers see or I experience what my customer experiences. So I'm watching to see what way the staff interact and I used to do the loft lot in the old building. I used to stand right inside the door and I, what I found was after 15 minutes the staff forgot you were standing there and went back to the normal way of doing things and then I used to see how they interact with the customer how they forgot you were there and, and kind of yeah, I always used to say if the manager always said it because the minute you hear that door said they all kind of tense up shit Gavin's there like I mean all of a sudden and then, yeah. and then after the 15 minutes because it's so a customer coming to the counter and they're getting all the thing they forget you're there and then you see how your customer has been interacted with or treated with or spoken with. So we, I suppose what we try to do here above all other service stations is that we actually talk to people, talk to the customer. And I've always said over the years to lose the robotic, next please. And I mean, okay, sometimes you'd call the customer like next please the counter. When they get to the counter, how are you today? That kind of conversational piece. And over the years, some people have been absolutely excellent like I, I i've had some really positive feedback from customers and i love it when the feedback comes in about team members and i always go to the team members say got, got a great email with you last night well done on that or whatever so I acknowledge that so we want we display that on our nose boards for everyone to see i mean so we run an internal um mystery customer program it's an outside company company do it for us they come in here once a month and they, they do the whole site and then if you get named in that mystery customer you get a 50 euro voucher for the site so everyone gets that they get named all the rest of it. so it's just about improving on that and all the rest so what we're doing through that thing we call is we're looking at standards we're looking at the customer experience we're looking at the food quality we're looking at everything in that and the great thing about college because it's an external company they don't have an allegiance to gavin Moore or allegiance to 14 or allegiance to whatever and our counter they just come in and give you the cold hard fact as long as manager might get a poor result in their in their mr customer will say oh this is not right that's not right and i said hold a second it says this is only a snapshot this is that that 15 minutes or that 10 minutes of that day 
that's that customer experienced. So you have to look at the, that's what it was. You can give me 20 reasons why that's wrong or 20 reasons why you ever, as at the end of the day, it's that, that customer experienced that, that's what they experienced. So you can't disagree with that. As it says, the members have the team members should wear the name badge or they should agree to them in that more professional manner. I suppose that's one thing I'm really looking forward to is getting rid of the screens, getting rid of the masks and getting back to that proper interacting with customers again. Um, I know the screens are not first. My goodness, I found it myself because we're short staffed, because of different uh, variants happening. I'll be on to, I, I'm back to, as they call it, basics. I'm back until I serve a customer myself. And I can tell you right now, when you're on a till trying to serve a customer to the screen, you're wearing a mask, the screen, they're wearing a mask. It was literally impossible trying to understand what they were saying sometimes. So I, we were studying for ages a week where we did what we put in kind of pockets in the screen so that people could hear. It was purely for, it wasn't, we were trying to make sure we put a cover on the outside so nothing could travel. But we wanted the, it sound to travel so we could yeah. improve the customer experience. And it did work and it did help. I mean, but definitely when they're gone, we're, we're really, we're already started. We launched a new program there with NKWTB and it's on customer service. Everybody's, it's more workshop based and it's, it's a, it's a three hour training session. Like, I mean, but they get a certificate at the end of it. It's a proper, it's a proper workshop, proper customer service training. So we're launching that now across the whole site here. We've 165 team members here to go through that. So we've got the first 16 are gone through. Like, so we've booked in now for the next three sessions. Like, I'm trying to get as much of that done in the early part of the year before it gets too busy because Q3 here, training was out the window. You just don't do training. You just, your operations all the time. I mean, this is the way it works. Like, you know. I've, got, I've got two quick questions for you to finish up. Um, I, I'm curious from my own point of view, you've you've got the, all the insomnias, the Supermax inside the place and you're consistently evolving. You know, you might bring in electric vehicle chargers or there's plenty of things you do. That plus return customers coming because they're huge fans of, the junction 14 itself or events like the plowing championships or hurling events or football events in crow park what are, what are some things that were when they get put in the diary or you bring in something new that you see a massive influx of customers like does the all-ireland final bring more customers and you'll have to plan in advance and look at the calendar going oh there's an adele concert in three arena we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna need to think about that yeah, that's a very good question. I suppose look at our marketing team, we have an events board. Um, it's in two, it's in main office and it's in one of the office downstairs. So on that whiteboard, all the events are written up on that by week, by day, all there. So, so when a manager's sitting down and doing the roster, they're looking at that, okay, okay, this is on. And what we what we're planning now this summer, we're going to be staying open until two or three o'clock in the morning, depending on what events are happening, to service the people come back out of Dublin. Because sometimes the simple thing with college, there could be a crash on the M7 at Ratcool. And that'll stop every bus getting through by for maybe an hour. And also they would call it that car that crash gets cleared or whatever gets thing gets cleared, and boom, all the buses are coming at the same time. And then you've got bus after bus after bus coming in. So the, the, those buses and that intensity of people coming on site at any one time puts massive pressure on the organization, massive pressure on how you do and what you do in regards um the internal structure of the workings of the building. So to answer your question, Rian. Um, all Ireland depends on the counties. It depends on the counties. It depends on who's playing. Like, I mean, so for argument's sake, Kerry only really travel for an All Ireland final. They don't travel before that. 
um, where Tipperary are diehards. When they're in Crow Park, everybody's Tipperary leaves Tipperary and comes it up. Like, so they come through. So if we see Tipperary, or I remember the year Clare were in it. My goodness, I can lose and we left in the county of Clare. I think they just closed the doors and left the county because literally all of Clare kept through here. And then they went to a replay and they did a replay again in two weeks' time. And we had to, we had that back at that time. Called, that was the first time we, re, we actually, the first match, they played Limerick um, earlier and we literally the got swamped. We never had two counties at the same time coming through. And then for the next time around, we called them, we opened, there's a field across the road. We put all the staff cars in the field to create more room for customs park and staff car park. And then we operate, we started split shifts. So literally we did a breakfast shift and an evening shift. So everyone came in, did breakfast, went home, came back in the afternoon time and they did, did the evening shift then when they get back because we just wanted to have enough. You couldn't have had, those sort of days, you can't have enough manpower ever on the site. Mm. But you can't hire people just for one day or two, three days. So you just work with the teams you have. And in fairness, the teams, they all say, okay, we'll do it. As they said, right, it's, it's a once-off thing, like, you know. But definitely events drives our business. So if anything happening in Dublin, we concentrate on Dublin, but then on the same token, now with the tourists, we're also concentrating on the like, Cliffs and Moher or those sort of events because you get an awful lot of the day tours coming through. So you could have a bus load of Italian tourists here at half six in the morning and they're all buying coffees. And then buses in and gone. So you've sold a lot of coffee for that half hour, 40 minutes time they're here. And then they're gone. But again, you have to be kind of that. So it's about the cross training and, and kind of cross development. So and, and what I'm really trying to get all the departments doing now is work, looking out for each other. So if one department sees another department under pressure, that they send someone to help out. They don't just, oh, they're under pressure. I can carry on because that's not fair. It's not right. And over the times, it just takes a lot of work getting everyone to be on the same side and working with each other. And I suppose I'm a firm believer in communication and in the meetings and all the rest of so I once a quarter I do I call a town hall meet where I pull all the managers together at the same time. Now I can tell you right now I get some abuse at because they, they all throw everything at me, kitchen sink and all. But that being said, it's a good way to clear the air and it's also a good way to kind of give them the vision of what's coming like. You know? So I always remember the year we won the sea store. We started planning for that in the previous January. That didn't happen until the following November. It was 11 months of hard work went into that. And, and I, the entire site here, I lifted that title that year. And I said, this year, our aim is to lift the sea store. We're going to lift the sea store this year. Do or die, we're lifting that this year. And if this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it. And it was constant reviewing how we do everything. So we were audit ready every day. That's the way I put the team. So there's no point being audit ready for a certain part of the time. You have your audit ready every single day. So are your mats hoovered? Is your floor clean? Is your SELs in place? Is your is your toilet spot is it clean? All those things. And that's what I try to do is have the site audit ready every day, not just for the around the time the judges might be coming in leading up to it because often nine, nine times out of ten the judging process actually starts the thing ever uh, for the program ever opens it, the judging process nearly always starts because like, like you just said as a customer you're coming into a place so you're judging it so you know yourself what the place mm. is like and it's funny I we got a comment recently on our toilets was actually a blogger had been in here a couple of days ago and had done a piece on us it hadn't been properly in the place since the new build had done and she said she was in the toilets and she goes my god those toilets are spotless and I, I, he said tell an awful lot of a place about the toilets and we all smiled and we saw it we, because it's, it's what we always say people judge you on your toilets how good are your toilets like being so and I always say we call it the person to the toilets is as important as the person managing the site it's simple as they're, they're all equal like you know so final question for you is Back in the day when you were at Super Value, there was a guy called Sean, you mentioned at the start of this. Sean Harvey, and, yes. And he had a line that said, run it and own it like it's yours. So anyone that's looking to get into retail, um, 
and they could come to you and you were to give them one bit of advice like Sean gave to you, what, what one bit of advice would you give them? Um, I would give them the same piece of advice. If you're going to be a manager, if you're going to be an effective, a diligent manager, own it like it's your own. I've always ran Junction 14, like it's my money I'm spending. It's like, it's like I always make sure we get proper life of equipment on there. So I don't waste money. And in fairness, the Visati brothers have taught me an awful lot. I won't say that they're frugal, but they believe it called in getting proper value for money out of equipment, out of purchasing. Donal always said, buy it right, buy it once, and and, and only buy it once. I mean, just make yeah. sure where you're buying. Because sometimes call it people don't buy cheap stuff, but sure, they're replacing it six months later or 12 months later, where we've often spent 10,000 on a piece of kit. And you're thinking, Jesus, this is a lot of money. Like, I mean, but you still have it five years later like and so it was good good investment like I mean but um standards are important people are important and your customer know your customer know what the customer's about know what the customer wants listen to the customer and something I do LinkedIn I find LinkedIn absolutely brilliant I think it's the best platform out there because I can travel all around Ireland or all around the world and never leave my office I can see what's happening new trends coming new ideas new concepts like I'm dying to go up to Klonski to see the new friction store it's the first one of its kind in Ireland there's five in London there's one in, in Dublin now I want to go see it I want to experience that and see what that, what does that look like what does that feel like for the customer because I'm a firm believer there's still that human context all going to be required by the Irish people. Sure. I think there's, there's definitely certain parts I can see 100% it works it, 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 for business people or people on the move that don't have their, their, their kind of cash-rich time poor. That'll always work for them. But for the people who are out and about on a daily basis, that human interaction always going to be needed, always going to be required. So I think, yes, robots will replace us in certain, certain things, but the certain jobs, they will not replace us in because people love people and, and they're attracted to people. And I I, I feed off energy of people I work with they feed my energy it's a, it's a way that's the way how things happen like, but I love interacting with customers I love nothing more than meeting customers on the shop floor and having the, having the thing with them and, and one thing about over the years I've learned an awful lot of names of a lot of customers because even though we're a motorway service area and even though people are all passing through it's the same people passing through yeah. all the time I there's a few business developers that are building they're building big housing developers up in Dublin and I know them by name they come in here for the coffee and we have chat for five or ten minutes we swap war stories as we call it and then on they go on their day and that's the way it's gone like, and, I, and I love to see them coming because I, I know I'm going to have five minutes of good honest conversation and on they go and that's the way it's been and I've got to know my people from different walks of life come through here and the staff I always laugh because they always get all of famous people like and you name it like Dermot Banners here is one of the helps he's out filming the, the current season and one of the girls oh I love Dermot Banners oh yeah room to prove is back on, on Sunday that's why he's back in here and you just say he had him back to filming again because he's in here the last couple of mornings getting breakfast it's only everyone here he's on the movie you know I says yeah I know that like, so that's the kind of thing so there everyone comes through here and everyone's treated the same as Dermot Banners no different to, to me Mrs. Bloggs or Mary Jo, they're all the same. So we're all the same. Gavin, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast in the last 35 minutes or so chatting with you. Um, I wish you continued success. Thank you. And you too, Reem. Beautiful morning. Beautiful sun.